folks want me to preach tonight, you're going to have to turn this microphone up. Praise God. 2 Samuel chapter number 2, or 2 Samuel rather chapter number 14. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, choir. When David, when David inquired of the ark of the Lord for the first time, we know that it didn't go that well. It wasn't very far down the trail that Uzzah reached out to steady it. And the Bible says that the Lord smote him there by the mercy seat, right by the ark of the Lord. In the presence of God, he died. But then, after seeking direction from God as to how this ark would be transported, how the glory of God would be carried to Jerusalem, the Bible said he got 20,000 people together, told the priests to hoist it, place it upon their shoulders. They didn't march but just 18 steps. They didn't go very far until they offered sacrifice unto the Lord. And the Bible says this, that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. He didn't get very far before he got serious about having church. I don't believe we ought to get to a certain point 30 minutes down the line in a church service before we start having church. We shouldn't get very far before somebody says, you know what, let's just stop everything. Let's make sure the Lord is in this house and He's having His way and He's moving in our lives. Amen. I want to have church tonight. I'm, I don't want to get down the trail too far before we make sure that the Lord is here and the anointing of the Holy Ghost is here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter number 14 and verse 32. And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I have sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king to say, Wherefore am I come from Geshur? And he had been good for me to have been there still. Now therefore let me see the king's face. This is, of course, Absalom speaking to Joab. If there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. So Joab came to the king and told him, and he, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. I, I want to preach tonight from this subject. What's your response? To mercy. What's your response to mercy? Or if you want a subtitle, you could call it this post pardon. Post pardon. Every one of us in this place ought to be thankful for the pardoning grace of God. If it hadn't been for Him pardoning us, we would still be in a life of sin. We'd still be out there bound by the things of this world. But I want to talk about a, a unique place that we are all after God saves us, after we have been pardoned, after we've been saved, after we've uh, experienced the new birth. I want to talk about what we do then. I want to talk about what we do with what we have, what we possess, what the Lord has given to us, what the Lord has done for us in our lives. Would you lift up your hands and your voices once again to God and let's pray right now for His divine touch upon this service. Jesus, we look to you once again, God, in this house. We're praying, God, for your divine touch. We're praying, Lord, for your spirit to move and work in this place. Asking you to have your way. God, minister to every life and every soul and every heart in this building. Everybody in this place has need of you. We're praying, God, that you would do the work in Jesus' name. Would you love the Lord and let's give him praise together right now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The writer of the book of Romans 
said in the 8th chapter, the 23rd verse, for all have sinned. Everybody say all. That means everybody. Nobody is an exemption. Everybody has sinned. It doesn't matter how spotless you think your reputation is. It doesn't matter how pristine that you think your life has been up until this point. Uh, we know that we've all been born in sin and shaped in iniquity. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody in this place must be pardoned. There is no way to be saved outside of the pardoning grace, mercy, blood, and the Spirit of God. Aren't you thankful that you've experienced that in your life? The first time that the actual word sin is mentioned in the Scripture is in regards to Cain and how that he had slew his brother. The Lord said to him, you're wroth, you're angry, you're vengeful because of this sin and separation that it's bring between you and I. And because I did not accept your sacrifice, because it was not acceptable, for it was not a blood sacrifice. But can I tell you that sin, the sin offering, lies at the door. The thing that you need to rectify this situation, the thing that you need to set the record straight, is well within your reach. You can be pardoned. You can be saved. Uh, you can find a place of repentance. You can make this right. Everybody needs to be aware that the grace and the mercy of God is not far from any one of us. God is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. He's not a God that relishes. He's not a God that celebrates passing judgment on anyone. But He wants to save. He wants to deliver. He wants to extend grace. The Apostle Paul was speaking to the Athenians on Mars Hill and he said when I passed by I saw all of your altars and I saw the inscriptions that were upon them and I saw one that said that it was an altar unto the unknown God where and in whom you ignorantly worship and him I declare to you, you you don't know the name of God you're confused about who God is but let me introduce him to you and he goes on to make this statement, In him we live, we move, and we have our being. He went on to say that God is not far from any of us. I'm thankful that we're not serving an elusive God. We're not serving a God that is high to the place that he cannot be reached. He's not unaccessible. Amen. He's not one that cannot be touched. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I want you to understand that if you would just feel after him, if you just seek him, if you just call upon him, my Bible tells us emphatically time and again that you can find him. He said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. If you'll cry out to him, he said, I'll hear you because my ear is not heavy, neither is my hand short to reach to where you are. He was not talking, amen, to apostolics here when he said that he's not far from any one of us, but he was rather talking to pagans. He was talking to these Athenians that were heathens and they worshiped heathen gods. Our God is close to anyone that wants to resolve, that wants to settle the sin issue in their life. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've been involved in. It doesn't matter what your past has been up until this point. But if you want God to forgive you, if you want a new start, if you want to change, if you want to be delivered, I'm telling you, you're in the right place tonight. There is a God that wants to pardon you. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. 
If you really want to change, you can be changed. If you want to be delivered, you can be delivered. God makes himself available to all of us. God makes himself so accessible to all of us for a person to be lost in this kind of atmosphere, in this type of a setting, for a person to come to this house, to these services, to stand in the very presence of God and to go from this atmosphere and this Holy Ghost environment and to be lost and not really come to God or see their need of the things of God in their life would be such a tragedy. It's so useless. It's so unnecessary. The devil might have told you that you can't live for God. He might have told you that you can't be delivered. That you can't make it. That you can't be saved. But God wants to work in your life. And I've come to preach to you that the devil is a liar. And the father of all lies. He doesn't ever want you to believe that you can come to an altar and be forgiven of your sins. He doesn't ever want you to be convinced of the fact that you can go down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus Christ and those sins can be remitted from your life. He doesn't want you to ever come to the persuasion that you can lift up your hands after repenting of your sins and be gloriously filled with this powerful promise of the Holy Ghost. And then you would have the power to live above sin to live victoriously to live through the grace of God for God and be successful and blessed by God and favored by God the devil doesn't want you to know that but I come to preach it to somebody here in this place tonight that you don't have to live in sin you don't have to be bound by sin but you can break through tonight you can overcome tonight Hallelujah. That doesn't have to identify your life. You don't have to live in the dregs of sin, in the darkness of this world. Jeremiah 23 and 23. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? He's accessible to each one of us. If we'll reach up and begin to have faith in Him, if we'll reach up and begin to worship Him, if we'll cry out to him if we'll pray to him if we'll praise him if we'll do our very best to get his attention in this place it's a good feeling to know that God is not afar off he's not distant from any one of us he's not aloof he's not elusive but he's in this place tonight and he's able to meet the needs of his people and he's not a respect a person if he ever healed anybody he can heal you if he ever delivered anybody he can deliver you if he ever set anyone free he can set you free if he ever delivered anybody from sin he can deliver you from sin if he ever raised anybody up he can raise you up if he ever restored come on does anybody hear me preach tonight he can restore you Praise God, praise God. Oh, and what a great feeling it is. Amen. To have the heavy burden of sin. Do I have a testimony? The heavy burden of sin lifted off of your life. To have that dark cloud of condemnation removed from you. It's a good feeling to wake up in the morning and not have guilt and shame and painful reminders of your sinful past hanging over your life and not know how to resolve it, not know how to take care of it. I'm going to tell you, the blood can cover it. The blood can cleanse it. God's mercy can move into your life. Me and the Lord have nothing between us. It's been remitted. I've been set free from it. It's not laid to my charge anymore. It's been forgiven. I've received a pardon 
from the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to step into this sanctuary and lift up holy hands without wrath or pouting? There's nothing between you and God. You can worship in freedom. You can feel the presence of God. You can feel the touch of God's grace in this place even now. In His presence, you can feel freedom to dance if you feel like dancing. Shout if you feel like shouting. Sing if you feel like singing. Oh, it's a good feeling to be able to come to the house of God and not feel that heavy, that heavy burden dragging me down that sin used to bring upon my life. It's been lifted off of me. I've been born again. I've been changed. I've been newborn. I got a fresh start. I got a new beginning. Why? Because of the grace of God. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all all unrighteousness it's a great feeling to find forgiveness to be free to worship to be free to praise God to be free to enjoy his presence as we are tonight without the constant threat of sin without the constant dogging of condemnation and sin in your life salvation is not getting a new testament in your pocket salvation is not getting a fish bumper sticker on your car salvation is not being able to quote the books of the bible salvation is not wearing a cross for a necklace no salvation is a new heart it's a new start it's a new life it's a new beginning it's to begin again it's to start all over and you know what Amen. I might as well jump to the end of my message tonight. But it appalls me when some people can come after all that God has done for them and everything that God has extended to them and the blessings of God that is in their life. And you got to pull rabbits out of a hat to get them to worship God. Amen. you got to have just the right singing, the right song, and the right note on the organ for them to get with it. Amen. And for them to worship God. I don't think so. I come looking for an opportunity to give Him praise. I come looking for an opportunity to clap my hands. I come looking for an opportunity to raise my voice in triumph. I come looking for an opportunity to run these aisles. I come looking for an opportunity to shout a praise unto God. Oh, yeah. Amen. Does somebody feel like you've been pardoned tonight? Is anybody free from sin this evening? Is anybody thankful for the grace of God? Is anybody know what I'm talking about? When I talk about free. Amen. When I talk about delivered. When I talk about forgiven. You know because you've had that in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and let's give praise to him. story of Absalom, you may be seated, is a very intriguing one in Scripture. We know that originally this conflict that existed between Absalom and his father that was a king, David, started over something that would seem very reasonable. Tamar, his sister, had been violated by his half-brother, Amnon, and the king did not did not move fast enough in vengeance upon Abnon. And so it was Absalom that took matters into his own hands and he slew his half-brother Amnon. And because of this, there was a breach between he and his father. And it seems that for some time they had not had any fellowship. They had not been joined together they had not talked to one another. There was an estrangement that took place. And finally, Absalom was brought back to the city of Jerusalem. He lived in the same city where the king resided. This was the capital city 
of Israel during David's reign. And, and this was the place where David lived and dwelt. And here Absalom, his own son, was not in some far distant continent across the world, but he was right there in his own city, right there within the same boundaries, city limits, and confines of his father. And yet there was no relationship at all. And it had reached such a place that Absalom had dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and had not yet seen the king's face. And this disturbed him so that he, he went to the captain of David's army, Joab, and said, you're, you're close to the king. I want you to speak on my behalf. See if he wouldn't invite me into his presence. See if we can't rectify this situation. See if some way our relationship cannot be restored. And so it was that Absalom uh, was not able to really get through to Joab his request. And Joab paid it no mind and said nothing evidently to the king. Or at least he did not make it an urgent request. And so he asked him again and still to no avail. Finally, he said, I've got to do whatever I've got to do to get his attention. And so he will, on my behalf, beseech the king. He knew that Joab had some barley fields, and so he set them on fire. And Joab came to him and inquired, why would you do such a thing? He said, I've asked you that you would bring me before the king, and you've not done so. So finally, Joab, in his desperation, goes to King David and he asks him if, if Absalom could have audience with him and so that their relationship could be restored. And I will not belabor the point, but he, he did make his way into the presence of the king after two long years. And he stood before him and he was reconciled to his father. And the scripture says this, that the king kissed him. He gave him his favor. He gave him his blessing. He pardoned him for his wrong. He extended mercy to Absalom for his sin and for the things that he had done uh, against and the transgressions that he had committed against the king and his kingdom. They were all forgiven. But it's alarming to me that you can read down to the very next chapter and you see that this same one that had experienced mercy, I want you to hear me tonight, this same one that the king had been good to, this same one that the king had extended his favor towards, this same one that the king had kissed and had pardoned, is now leading a rebellion against the very one that had been merciful to him. Now, is getting the men of Israel amassed against David and he's leading a charge against his own father he had been pardoned he had been shown mercy all of these things had been extended to him I mean things that he did not deserve he had killed his brother in cold blood but he had been forgiven his relationship with the king restored his sin had been if you could say it this way, blotted out as far as the king was concerned. But one chapter later, his response to this mercy that King David had extended to him was to amass a great rebellion against him. I want to ask you tonight, what will you do with what God has done in your life? What will you and your response be to the mercy and the pardoning grace of God? I've seen people come out of a life of sin, a life of drugs and alcohol, promiscuity, pornography, liars, cheats, uh, ungodly, living riotously, uh, people that had lascivious lifestyles, ungodly and carnal lifestyles, and they come to the church and thank God again that He's no respecter person. He doesn't look at our resume. He doesn't look whether or not we got a pedigree in this thing. But he sees a wretched sinner. 
and he reaches down with his grace and his mercy and he saves and he delivers and he fills that one, yes, that's undeserving, that one that has done nothing to merit it. He gives them grace. He gives them mercy and he fills them with the Holy Ghost. He gives them a fresh start. They get to begin again. Again, maybe they had a horrible reputation. Maybe they were known in the community as, as terrible sinners. Maybe there was evidence of the scars of sin that were upon their life. But God in his mercy, he reaches down and he lifts them up. He places them on solid ground. They begin to leave, live stable lives. They begin to live for God and God begins to bless them. And I've seen these same people that God has been so merciful to. If they're not careful, amen, they come into the church and they get caught up in things. Amen. I'm going to preach a little bit here tonight. They get caught up in things that they shouldn't ever, ever be charged with. When God has been so good to them, when God has been so merciful to them, Amen. When God has blessed them so much, they get caught up with a hateful spirit. They get critical of things that is going on. They get carnal. They get caught up in the gossip and the tail bearing and the backbiting. They become judgmental and jealous. They start tearing down the very thing that saved them, the very thing that has been so good to them. They start working against the things of God. They become bitter and they start doubting God. Listen, God did not save you. God did not extend grace to you. God did not give mercy to you for you to start tearing down the work of God. But he saved you so you could build it up. He saved you so that you could be a blessing to it. It's our job to build the kingdom of God. It's our job to come and be a worshiper. Amen. Not a judge. It's our job when we come to the house of God to come and be a prayer warrior. It's our job to come and draw closer to him and express our thanks to him. Where would I be if God had not saved me? What would I become if God had not reached to me? 186,000 people will die this year in America having gone to the hospital to be treated for some ailment in their body. But while they're there, they will contract some kind of disease that will ultimately take their life. 186,000 people right here in America went to a hospital to find health and they got sick with some kind of disease that was passed on to them by a nurse, by a doctor, by somebody that was careless. Uh, somebody didn't take the care to wash their hands or disinfect themselves to the degree that they should have. And so now the disease has passed on. How many times have I visited folks in the hospital? They come in for some kind of surgery or some kind of problem that they have and they walk away with uh, MRSA or some type of, of heavy uh, infection that is contracted there in the hospital. Some type of staph infection comes upon then you see it's all about what you focus on it's all about what you live your life to be because what you focus on I promise you that's what's going to increase hallelujah if you focus on flesh Amen. You're going to see a lot of flesh on display. You're going to find a lot of imperfections if that's what you focus on. If you focus on carnality, you're going to find a lot to judge in the church. If you focus on negative things, I'm sure you can find some negative things to talk about. If you focus on the opposition, the, the opposition is going to become greater to you. But how about we focus on God and what God is doing and what he can do? If what I focus on increases, if what I focus on gets bigger, if what I magnify at least to me becomes greater, 
amen, and more accessible to me. Why not we come to the house of God and focus on praising him, focus on releasing faith towards him, focus on what God can do, focus on revival, focus on the blessings of God, focus on the good things of the Lord. all in what you focus on. Much of, sad to say, but much of the popular religious world today. And uh, uh, there's a man down in Houston. He smiles a lot. You can guess who he is. Amen. But uh, uh, he's got a worldwide following. But the majority, of his, he's a great speaker, but the majority of his ministry is flesh-focused. It's all flesh-focused. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, call for repentance. It doesn't call for anything to be done unto God or any commitment to be expressed unto God. It's all flesh focus. It's all self-help stuff. Amen. If that's what you want, amen, you can find it. You can get it. But what about the church being God focused? When we come to this house, we come to worship His name. We come to praise Him. We come to magnify Him. We didn't come to see or to be seen or criticize or be analytical. God's been too good to us for any of us to do that I come to his house to give him praise I come to give him thanksgiving I come to lift up his name come on has God been good to anybody in this place tonight I said has God blessed anyone in this house what's your response going to be how are you going to react to the mercy of God Absalom came to Jerusalem led charge against his own father into the city of Jerusalem and David David said I'm going to leave this city why leave why leave this is your city amen this is the city that you, you put on the map this is the one that God's glory is in. This, you brought the ark here. At least take the ark with you. He said, no, leave it in its place. He said, I love this city too much. It wasn't a lack of courage. It wasn't because he was intimidated by the army that stood outside the city gates. The reason why he decided to, to leave was because he didn't want to make that city a battlefield. He loved it so much. He said, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to contend for something inside this city. I'm not going to be contentious and make this a place of battle because this thing is too sacred. But Absalom didn't care about Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the type of the church. He, he didn't care about the sacredness of it. He didn't care about the holiness of it. It didn't mean anything to him. Uh, he didn't respect it. Uh, actually, he resented it. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't care about what it represented. Amen. He said, I want my way. Amen. I want my will. Amen. Self-focused, self-driven. And David loved Jerusalem so much that he said, I'll not make war in this city. Let me tell you about folks that are always squabbling and bickering and wanting to fight uh, and they think uh, and, and they use the guys uh, that they're standing up for righteousness uh, but I'm going to tell you when you pick and squabble and criticize in the church you don't love the church uh, you don't love the truth uh, you don't love the things of God don't hide underneath your self will uh, don't hide from your self righteousness uh, amen you're not fooling anybody you don't love the church uh, you don't respect the things of God or you wouldn't make it a battlefield when you love it uh, you don't come to church for all of that you come to church to love God you come to church to pray Praise the Lord. You come to magnify Jesus. You come to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When David left that city, there were a lot of folks that went with him. But there's two that stand out to me that I want to preach about tonight. There was a Hittite who was a Philistine convert. He was not born a Hebrew, but he joined himself to them. He was a convert, as we would say. He had joined himself to David and his army. And when David, seen that he had followed him out during this conflict out of the city, left his home to be loyal to David, David said, Hittai, you can go back. Return. You don't have any obligation I'm not going to make you go with me. Why don't you just go back? 
why don't you just go back and live in the city? It'll be all right. I won't, I won't hold you responsible. But I want you to notice what Hittite said. He said, as the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the King liveth, surely in what place my Lord the King shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. What was he saying? He was saying, King, in war or in peace, life or in death, good times, bad times, when it's, when it's going well or when it's not going so well, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I'm going to be loyal to you. Amen. And when I looked up at the end of, of that passage of Scripture and I looked up for a little more commentary on a Hittite, it, there would be something else that would be said about this man. Clark's commentary simply says this. It says, no more commentary. What does it say? It's saying there's nothing else to be said about this man. He's already cast his lot. He didn't change his mind. He didn't back up. He didn't capitulate. He didn't compromise. He said, David, I'm with you. King, I'm with you. Man of God, I'm with you. Yeah, man, I'm going to fight with you. If it's peacetime or wartime, I'm not going nowhere. If it's on the mountain or in the valley, I'm not going nowhere. I'm with you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be loyal. Amen. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to stand by the side of what's right. I'm preaching to somebody in this house. We need some Hittites in the 21st century that's got their mind made up. Come on. I said you got your mind made up. Is there any Hittites in this place tonight? Amen. War or peace? Death or life? Good times or bad? Praise God. Amen. And then, and then there was another man that I want to preach about, Hushai, who was an archite. Archite tribe had died down to nothing. This was the only man, the solitary man that was left. That's what we call one of a kind. Amen. He was the only one that was left of his tribe. Hushai, the, the archite. The archites were just that small tribe that had died down, and he was the only one that was left. But this one of a kind man, Hushai, I want you to go back to the city. He said, David, if that's what you want, I'll go do it. And he went back, and he heard one of the former counselors of David giving advice to Absalom about how to lead the battle against David. And he didn't like what he heard. He, he, Hithophel said, I want you to do it this way, and this is going to bring shame to you. He wanted to do his very best to embarrass David because uh, Hithophel was the, great, uh, was the grandfather of Bathsheba, and he had an old score to settle with David. He said, I, I, want, you to, I want you to do it this way, and I'm going to counsel you to do this. And he was a very respected counselor in David's uh, cabinet and, and had been one that had given counsel to David over the years, and this was someone that was to be respected. He had a lot of influence, uh, but it was Hushai, this archite, this one of a kind that stood up and said, no, I'm just going to tell you, your daddy's mad. He's upset right now. He's like a bear. Amen. This ain't going to sit well with him. This isn't going to work. Don't do that. And what the plans of the enemy was to destroy David and to embarrass and humiliate him, it was, it was Hushai, this archite, that foiled the plans that had been set by the enemy and turned these plans upside down I'm going to tell you in this hour what we need I'm going to tell you the enemy he's already decided what he wants to destroy he wants to destroy your family he wants to destroy this church he wants to come up and rise up against the move of God and against revival but I wonder if there's some hushies in this house that said you know what I'm going to foil the enemy's plans I'm not going to let him go through with what he wants to go through with I made up my mind he may have planned to destroy me, destroy my home, destroy my marriage, destroy the church, destroy the hopes of revival, but I got news for him. I may only be one, but I'll stand up. I'll stand against. I'll do whatever I've got to do. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Is there a one-of-a-kind type person in this place tonight that'll say, I'll step out. I want God to use me to foil the enemy's plans for my life. 
Oh, lift up your hands and your voices to God. When we were pardoned, we received power. What are you going to do with that? We've got an arsenal that is readily available to us. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to use it for the positive? Are you going to use that power that God has given you and that influence that God has given you to pull down strongholds? Power to pray. Power to release faith. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of ways that faith is released. We read in the Bible about one that came and touched the hem of his garment and there was something that was released. It was faith that was transmitted to him and virtue that was transmitted to her because of a touch. I, I read in other places where people done certain things that in, in doing so they, they release faith. When Moses lifted up that rod over the Red Sea, he, he released faith in God and being obedient to God, and that Red Sea parted. We, we understand that those priests had to step out of the water, and in doing so, they released faith. Time and time and time again, Peter had to step out on the water, and faith was released. But I'm going to tell you, the majority of the time, faith is released right here in our mouth. Amen. And faith is also diminished by our words. There's power in the tongue. Amen. I wonder what would happen around here if we'd start talking about what God can do and what God, I'm going to pray in this revival, God's going to send great, great moving of His Spirit. God's going to save my family. Does anybody want your family to be saved? Anybody want your family to get filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. What about this revival? Come on now. Oh, if we'd start believing and talking faith and talking what God could do, what God is able to accomplish in our lives, if we'll just believe Him. Somebody start releasing faith. Oh, when we come to the church, we start praising God and worshiping God and releasing faith. God, I, I thank you that you're going to heal somebody. You're going to deliver somebody. You're going to perform a miracle in this house tonight. I worship you. I praise you. I thank you, God. Releasing faith. That's what I'm talking about. We got power to see miracles. You realize that you got power to edify. We need folks that are edifiers and encouragers. This world is dismal with discouragement all around. What about somebody that could edify? Don't tell me what can't happen. I already know. Okay? I don't need you to remind me of the negative. It's around. We can see it. But I wonder if there's somebody start focusing their faith on what God could do. Power to, to lead your family. Power to overcome opposing spirits that come against your home. And your own walk with God. Come on, quit letting the devil push you around. Quit living intimidated. Quit living like, like you don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. Let's get over that. Amen. But God wants to do it. I said God wants to give this church revival. God wants to give us an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God wants to do great things. Deserve it? No. Amen. But God wants to do it. And God has promised it. And we're going to believe Him. We're going to trust Him. Amen. We're going to start focusing our faith upon Him and what He can do and what He can accomplish and things that He wants to do in our life. Prayers He wants to answer. Come on. You got the power to pray down some strongholds. You got the power, amen, to get the devil off your back. You got the power to get the devil's hand off your family. It's time you start exercising that power. Oh, yeah. I said it's time you start exercising that power. I'm not intimidated. I'm not intimidated to worship God. 
I'm not intimidated to come and ask bold things of God. I'm not intimidated to walk into his presence and worship him because I'm one of his kids. Amen. He loves me. Amen. He wants to do for me. He wants to help me. There's no sense in you being intimidated. There's no sense in you being intimidated because of worship and praise to God. There's no sense in you being intimidated in the presence of God to release your faith and ask God for big things. lifestyle and holiness let the devil push you around long enough somebody said well you think you're one of those holier than thou's well I'm a whole lot holier than a lot of thou's I promise you that I'm not intimidated by that I'm going to tell you if 50,000 gays can get together in San Francisco, California and shout and scream and tear their clothes off and they're not ashamed I'm not going to be ashamed to come in God's house and lift up my hands and my voice to God I'm not going to be ashamed, amen, to come in this place. If the heathen can rage, I'm going to tell you, I ought to be able to rejoice a little bit. I ought to be able to praise God a little bit. I ought to be able to get excited about what the King of Kings has done for me. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. When we consider his mercy towards us, we should make up our mind. I'm not coming to church with a sad old basset hound look on my face. My ears are flopping low. Look like I lost my best friend. Got baptized in lemon juice. But if I've got to, I'm going to force a smile on my face. I'm going to lift up my head. What did the scripture say? Lift your head up for your redemption draw nigh. Said lift your head, O your gates. Hallelujah. Come on now. Sometimes you got to lift your head up and just say, you know what? I may not feel like it, but I'm going to worship. I'm going to shout tonight. I'm going to praise God tonight. I'm going to dance before the Lord tonight. When these praise singers get up here, I, I'm not going to lay back and judge the quality of their voices and say, well, you know, if they sing it a little like this or they do it, you know, if this one was singing or whatever, but I'm going to lay back and sing and I'm going to praise God. I'm going to lift my voice alone. I'm not going to let them do it by themselves. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to praise the Lord. Come on now. Come on now. That's the truth anyway. When we gather around these altars, I'm not going to stand around my arms crossed and wonder why they cried so much and why they praying so intensely. They, they may have done something wrong. You know, there must be sin in their life. Amen. But I'm going to get down in that altar and praise somebody through the Holy Ghost. Praise somebody through the victory. Praise somebody through, amen, to a spiritual breaking point where they can get a hold of God. I guess I'm going to have to preach a little while longer. Amen. When it comes time to pray for the sick, I'm not going to go down here and just piously place my, my little dab of oil on their head and say, you know what, God, amen, I'm going to give you a little lethargic prayer and I hope that you intervene and I hope that you heal them. No, I'm going to pray with authority. I'm going to pray by the Word of God. My Bible said if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Come on. Amen. When you play those instruments, don't play them like you're falling asleep. Play them with all your heart. Oh, give it everything you got. When you worship God, don't just do it to pacify us, but give it to God. Focus it towards Him. Praise Him with all that's within you. Because when you think about it, God's been way too good to any one of us for us just to sit idly by, for us to get an old critical spirit 
for us to sit back and say, you know what? Catch a hold of an old doubtful attitude and an old bitterness to rise up in us. God's blessed me too much for that. I ain't going to fall into in the abyss of that. I'm not going to let that get, get in my heart. Not for a second. And you know the only thing, the only, only way you can get out of that is to do something out of the usual sometimes. Because all of us, familiarity breeds contempt after a little while. And so sometimes you've got to do, I remember Brother, uh, Brother Gidrow saying one time, he said, he said, you know why I've had a successful marriage all these years? It's because every day, he said, we do little stupid out-of-the-way things for one another that doesn't make sense to nobody else. And it seems silly to everybody else. And people make fun and they snicker and they say, look at them. Hey Amen. Isn't that so silly? Him, him calling her those little nicknames and him flirting with her like that after they've been married all these years. They, they ought to know one another loves one another. I'm going to tell you what. You've got to keep some things alive. You've got to keep the spark there. Hey Amen. In your relationship with God, it can get ho-hum. It can get mundane. It can become mediocre. And you can just come to church and be going through the motions if you're not careful. And just be on a track and just, just letting the train take you anywhere it so listeth. Hey Amen. And you're, you're such an rut and you're, and you're caught up in the same old dogma all the time yeah, man you gotta come to church sometimes and say you know what I'm gonna do something abnormal tonight I'm gonna go beyond my usual stuff tonight I'm gonna do something I ain't ever done tonight I'm gonna praise him in a way I ain't never praised him I'm gonna worship him in a way that's unusual for me Come on, if you ain't ever leap for joy, you ought to leap for joy. If you ain't ever danced, you ought to dance a little bit. If you've never shouted a voice with a voice of triumph, you need to lift up your voice to God. If you've never clapped your hands and shouted, you need to do so tonight. But don't ever let it get old. I said don't ever let it get old to you. God's been too merciful to me for me just to sit still, for me not to praise him, for me not to worship him, for me not to give him glory. You know, there's been several times in this service we got right up there and it just never has got over the breaking point. That don't intimidate me to say that, then I don't feel ashamed to say it. Amen. I mean, I realize you can't have a, can't bat a thousand all the time. But I'm going to tell you, we can come satisfied with just going through the motions. And we need a home run and we're satisfied to bunt and just get by. And not put any more energy into it than what we absolutely have to. I can't abide with that. I can't get with that. I don't even understand it. I can't even comprehend it. I can't even get it through this thick skull of mine. Why anybody would even want to respond like that? Isn't that why Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. A sacrifice. Praise the Lord. That means away with self-will. Away with the flesh. Away with what I want to do. I'm going to give my best to God. I, I, I just want to give this one more effort here tonight. I want to, there's somebody in this house that, that when, I, when, I, when I get to a certain point here, you just say, you know what? I'm going to step out beyond. I'm going to do more than I usually do because I need something from the Lord tonight. And I just want him to know I'm thankful for all of his mercies that he's expressed to me. I looked down here at Brother Rodney. Uh, he told me the other day, four years. Four years, right? Four years, clean and sober. That's a testimony, brothers. That's a testimony. And I know some of you say, I wish your brother Rodney, he'd calm down a little bit. I wish Brother Rodney didn't run the aisles so much. I, I wish he didn't get so loud in the worship. I, I know it's kind of distracting to us. I'm going to tell you what, I hope he never shuts up. I hope he never sets down. 
And in the meantime, I wish a whole lot of you would get on fire. Come on, what's your response to mercy? What's your response to the goodness of God? I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance tonight. On the count of three, we're going to see what your response to the mercy of God is. Amen. I want you to step out and I want you to, I want you to get out of the normal tonight. Come on. I'm not just trying to build you up. Amen. I, I'm going to pass that. I just want somebody to break through tonight. I want somebody to get a hold of what God has for them in this house. Come on. Are you ready? One, two, three. What's your response to the mercies of God? Come on! I'm gonna praise you, Jesus. You've been good to me. Oh, you've been good to me. Too good to me. Too good to me. Yes! Come on! What's your response to His mercy? How good has God been to you? Oh, yes, there's deliverance, oh, yes. healing in his name, oh, victory. Come on, if you need a miracle from God, you want to get God's attention, why don't you just give him a little extra praise tonight? Power in the same, we've got a right to praise and worship unashamed. There's deliverance, deliverance in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, say there's deliverance. Healing in his Come on, sister, why don't you get with some other person worship God? Come on, brother, why don't you put your arm around another brother and worship the Lord together? Okay. 
some more of us couldn't gather around Sister Merritt right over here. I believe she's so close to the Holy Ghost right now. There's a few times she started to break into speaking in tongues, and I just believe she just is right there. Let's believe together. Let's bind together. She can get the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on. Some of you gather up around her. Start worshiping the Lord. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. God, fill her with your spirit tonight. Baptize her in the Holy Ghost tonight. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to shout for joy because he set me free. Sing and as he delivered me. 